euthanasia and assisted suicide under the name Medical Assistance in Dying, or MAID, was legalized in Canada in 2016. The original eligibility required that you had to have a terminal medical condition and the death had to be foreseeable. Now, as the criteria have fallen down the slippery slope, to be eligible, you only have to have a grievous and irremediable medical condition. And these grievous conditions include disabilities and also conditions where the person experiences unbearable physical or mental suffering, which cannot be relieved under conditions that the person considers acceptable. But we are waiting for another update to the criteria, which will allow mental illness to be a sole condition for MAID. Already, people with quote-unquote unbearable living situations, which include homelessness, have been considered to qualify for MAID. With the expansion, it would mean that people who are depressed and normally would be helped with suicide prevention would be allowed to go through with ending their lives and our tax dollars would pay for it. We need to put money into palliative care and into mental health supports, not make it easier for people to end their lives. What's more, according to a recent survey, most Canadians do not agree with this expansion. Let's make our voices heard and help people with mental illness instead of assisting them with dying. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and sitting here with me is Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sisters, good to see you. It's great to be here with you, Deacon Pedro, even though we're here together virtually. We're here virtually, yeah, together virtually. And uh, and you were just telling me, so I'm freezing here just north of Toronto and apparently it's still nice and balmy in Boston. Yes, but that's ending today, the day we're recording. So bye by the weekend, when everybody is listening to this, it will be cold. It will be cold. It's supposed to be freezing. I know it's been a warm fall, which was a treat. But yeah, uh, anyway, um, I guess you're getting ready for Thanksgiving. We already had ours. That's right. Yes, we're looking forward to that. And um, just it's a it's been a an, an very unusual fall and really it beautiful too yeah it has been yeah i agree Be unusual and beautiful i agree but now it's cold so um <laughs> sister today uh, damien o'connor of the knights of columbus will be here again to tell us about so he wants to share some of the topics from the into the breach the mission of the family video series yes and so the topic today is how to intentionally be a catholic family in a post-christian world so it's a bit of a awesome. mouthful there, but I think, yes. So he's going to be talking a little bit about that today. So families that are having a hard time trying to be live the Catholic life in, in this world that we live in, uh, stay tuned and listen to our conversation with Damien O'Connor of the Knights of Columbus. That's in about five minutes. And then sister, then you'll be back to tell us a little bit about uh, a film. That's right. Uh, co a comic book film. Okay. Uh, okay. That's all she's going to tell us. A comic book film. I'm not a big fan of comic books in general or comic book films, but. I'm, Neither I, am I, I'll, but this I one works. Okay. It's okay. really I'm great. <laughs> coming into this with open heart and open mind to the windows, to the soul of a, an animated uh, film coming up in about 15 minutes, windows to the soul. 
with Sister Marie Paul Curley. And then, Sister, in our second half hour, um, I know, Sister, you probably have been paying attention to the Synod. Or oh, the, yes. The assembly, I guess the first assembly of the Synod. I always keep saying that the Synod is over, but it's not over. The first assembly is over. Uh, so we've been talking about the Synod a little bit on this program and, of course, on on all our Salt and Light, our, our Salt and Light media platforms. Um, Sister Jill Golding, I don't know if you know her. She's uh, from the Con- Congregatio Jesu. So she's part of the Theological Commission of the Synod. Mm. And of course, has been in Rome throughout the Synod and, and, and has participated at various stages throughout the Synod process over the last two years and will continue participating. So we had the chance to speak with her last week in Rome before the, that first assembly uh, was over. And so uh, she's going to be sharing her thoughts uh, on the Synod and what's been coming out and the synthesis report and all these wonderful things that are coming up uh, uh, from Rome for the Synod. So that's Sister Jill Golding, who's going to be joining us in about 25 minutes uh, at the beginning of our second half hour. That is great. I can't wait to hear it. And then at the end of the show, we'll be meeting two worship leaders from a new ministry from Ohio called Damascus Worship. So Sister, Mm -hmm. think of Hillsong, Catholic Hillsong. Mm. Okay, so Catholic Hillsong, um, they do wonderful work and, and have great music. And so we're going to be speaking with two of their team members, Seth Schleter and Abby Randolph from Damascus Worship are going to join us at the end of the show in about 45 minutes. And so if you're not going to be around, be sure to go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast to listen to the whole show or do what Sister Marie Paul does and listen to it uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, that's that's probably one of the better ways to get the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast. Um, so let's start with a song, sister. Here is Damascus Worship with their rendition of Be Thou My Vision from their hymns EP.
That was Damascus Worship with Be Thou My Vision from their hymns EP. And we're going to be speaking with Abby Randolph and Seth Schleter of Damascus Worship at the end of the program, so I hope that you can still be around for that. And now it's time for Into the Breach with Damien O'Connor. Welcome back, Brother Damien. It's so good to see you. I am blessed to be with you again, Deacon Pedro. You say it's good to be back into the in the breach. In back inside the breach. In the breach. <laughs> in the trenches. Amen. I think trenches is a better word than breach. But anyway, um, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm excited to 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 the to talk about this this being a Catholic family in a post christian world because i don't know what a post-christian world is yeah that's a tricky one that's a term that seems to be used a lot i think yeah. basically get back to well 50 years ago my parents generation uh -huh. it was more christianity around you society had more christian elements to it and mm -hmm. it's not the same today maybe that's what they mean post-christian okay so not not so obviously christian or but maybe that's Correct. just in North America. I don't know. I think in Africa and Latin America, they probably don't think it's post-Christian. Could be. Could be. I don't know. Anyway, so um, being a Catholic family in a post-Christian world. Yeah. So we have, as we've discussed in the past, we have a five-part series, uh, mm -hmm. Mission of the Breach, Mission of the Family. And the first episode, uh, Catholic Family in a Post-Christian World, highlights uh, Taylor and Brittany Kemp. Taylor is now the head of Formed at the Augustine Institute here in the oh, U.S. Yeah. Okay. Um, but prior to that, he was uh, a soccer player, and he played for DC United. Okay. So it's a really cool episode because it talks about his conversion and how he shares that God um, allowed him to experience all these wonderful things in the secular world without God, and Taylor felt this emptiness. And so the, it really drew him to something. He didn't know what that was. And his wife kind of helped him um, and brought him into the Catholic faith. So it's really, it's a really cool story. It's also very inspiring. Okay. And so I, I've, I've never been a professional soccer player. Uh, so I don't know if I can relate to that. Is it, is it the kind of thing that people like I can relate to? Um, I would say, yes, we can relate to maybe not being an athlete like him. Like I'm certainly not, I'm yeah, sure I'm you not, are. Yeah. I'm not, but no, you know. I'm not. Yeah. Mm. Um, I can but, kick a ball. The, the story is really about him being very successful, arguably, at least okay. in, that, in that sport, and well-known, actually. But there was still an emptiness to it because God wasn't the center of his life and of mm -hmm. his marriage. And so even though he was so successful in what I call the secular world, he knew he was missing something, and it, and it was having God it's the center of his life and of his marriage. So would you say that that is the challenge, to put God in the center when we live in a quote unquote post Christian world. I, yeah, I think or, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it is the challenge. And I think this particular episode reminds us that we have to be intentional about our faith life. So okay. this post Christian world. Yeah. It's, you're not seeing a lot of the emphasis on certainly sacramental marriage or God being the center of your marriage and whatever you'd like to call it. We're not seeing that. And so, but a lot of us desire for a really solid marriage and family life, 
but the, this episode is about, well, you have to be intentional about it. You have to create that uh, for your family and for your mm -hmm. marriage. It's not just going to happen. You're not going to have all the positive influences. Maybe my parents, maybe my grandparents had. Mm -hmm. Do they give uh, tips on people who are not professional soccer players? And I, I'm not joking about that. Like I, I actually, it, it seems like it's a normal family. Dad's working. I don't know if mom was working. He's busy. He might be traveling. Uh, and those things are important. So all the more reason to be intentional uh, so it doesn't mm -hmm. fall off, you know, like date night. I'm sorry, I didn't make date night tonight. Um, so do they give tips or can you give us some tips to the people that are listening? They they do. And they said just going with the flow, uh, it just doesn't work. And almost, doesn't work it, yeah. it almost leads almost always to failure. So they did it. It was honestly, Deacon, it was some simple things. We have to have a prayer life together. So my wife and I have to find time to be praying together. Yeah. Uh, when we, and certainly going to mass and then bringing our children to that. They also talk about when you refer to intentionality, what are those things that I have to protect my family from? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's too much technology. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, I don't know, something on some TV show. I, I don't right. know. Or certain people that may be a negative influence. And we say, well, you have to love everybody. Well, that sounds nice, but we also have to protect my family, be intentional about that as well. Right. So they get into that also. Okay. That those are really good. Uh, that's, that's good. Now he came kicking and screaming into the faith, by the way. So, so he thought, well, I don't know if I want to be Catholic and his wife, he finally agreed. And his, and his wife said, um, Oh, that's fantastic. So she signed him up for RCIA without him knowing. Oh, geez. And then he, then this man shows up in what he thought was a white dress and it was a Dominican friar. And right. he said, Oh, I, idiot. So he was exposed to the, all these things for the first time. Um, but now he's obviously very successful in the Catholic world and, um, is devout Catholic now. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, maybe not so great advice to sign your husband up to the RCIA without <laughs> him knowing maybe it is good advice seemed to have worked, worked for him. Um, and obviously maybe to make it intentional, join the Knights of Columbus. Uh, he did join the Knights of Columbus as a matter of fact. So he'll yeah, be, of course he's coming to visit us in, uh, in a month or so. Oh, so to should, yeah. To New Haven. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Should be great. Um, okay. Last minute, last minute tips, anything else you want to tell the families out there that are struggling to, to, to be, to be Catholic in a way that's not weird in, in this kind of world that we live in. Yeah. Again, not to repeat it too many times, but intentionality is really important. What yeah. are those things you need to be intentional about instead of letting society tell you how to live your faith or how to live your life to be, to do that. And also, and this is in this, in another episode in the series, a lot of families need healing. There's okay. many issues. Maybe it's generational. It's been going on for a long time, or maybe it's some immediate issue that needs to be dealt with, but it's okay to acknowledge that you need healing as well. And mm -hmm. our church can help you with that. Um, but we, you have to, you have to admit that first. And so it's, but it's hard to do that, but you do need healing and allow Christ to, to, to assist in that and to be the center of that. Um, but we forget that sometimes. I think we want to, yeah. like when you come to my house, Deacon Pedro, I, you'll say, wow, it's so clean. And I'll say, well, it's clean because we just cleaned it up. And we don't, we don't want you to know how we really live. Exactly. Right? It's true. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's but true. it's the same with our faith life. You know, um, yeah. we may say everything's great. Yeah. It may not be so great. I might need some, some real healing here. And so that's important focus of the series as well. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. So, so, so intentionality healing and i guess intentionality means yes yeah, sit with your your wife or your husband mm -hmm. and and talk about it how are we going to live 
intentionally our faith. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. You don't have to join the Knights of Columbus, but you can. Um, but definitely scheduling prayer, for example, that's a very basic one. And uh, and then the church, I think, offers us all the tools that we need, right? Amen. That's right. Amen. Okay. Well, thank you, Damien O'Connor. So you. you're going to continue doing this? Are we going to sort of go through some of the themes in the series? As... Absolutely. Yep. We'll start. Uh, the next one, we will do marriage, the foundation of the family. Okay. Okay. Good. I like that. So so stick around in about a month or so. We'll have Damien back and we'll talk about marriage. Thank you, Damien O'Connor. Thank you. Damien O'Connor is Vice President, Evangelization and Faith Formation for the Knights of Columbus. You can learn more at kofc.org. Hey guys, this is TJ Anderson and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Petro. Salt and Light TV is available on Roku and Amazon Fire. Just go to slmedia.org slash plus to find out how to subscribe. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley waiting to tell us about an animated film that That's I, right. uh, you said you're not you're not a big fan of animated films either right well no i no. love animated films oh, you, okay i do i do especially especially novelly. yeah well or, not comic book oh, really comic book sorry yes yeah even yeah. even even the latest i mean i have enjoyed the marvel universe which you could say was comic book but it really wasn't it, those were superhero movies based on comic book characters but they yes, weren't but really they're... comic book movies no you're right you're right they, because gonna, there's, yeah, yeah. I, sorry, I was going to talk about, I was going to mention the Star Wars that I've seen some of the series that have sort of the spinoff series that are, you know, uh, kind of, uh, and a lot of them are based also on the animated versions that are true. also, I don't know if I would call them a graphic novel or a comic book, but they're comic, I guess they're animated anyway, but I haven't watched any of the animated Star Wars yet, so. Me neither. I want to watch Clone Wars. I've never. Yeah, <laughs> I no, still. I'm, I'm it's an old series, now. but I, I haven't. Intrigued now because I watched. Um, of course, now I blanked out on the name, but I, I was just watching anyway. There's so many Star yes. Wars spinoffs yes. at this point. It's hard to keep track. Yes. Yes. Actually, yes. the the movie. Well, see, the thing is, the thing with comic books, I never read them growing up. Um, mm -hmm. So I. I'm not super familiar with the comic book genre, although I've always loved superheroes and I've always loved Superman. Mm -hmm. uh, I have never, I never really got into Spider-Man, but they've done such a great job with the film versions of Spider-Man that I've actually now seen many of the Spider-Man movies. And for, for today's episode, I, so many people have told me how this, the movie Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse is so good, even better than the first one, which was Into the Spider-Verse, that I decided, you know what, I just have to see it. So I did, and wow, 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 wow. Uh, it was really, it's a middle movie. It's a part two of a trilogy, really, although you don't know, I didn't know that until I got to the end of this <laughs> the movie. So you do get left hanging a little bit. Okay. That's a spoiler. However, it is, it is, really a fantastic just okay so artistically it's amazing there's like i don't know 10 15 animation styles all included in this one movie they seamlessly go together this whole thing is animated you've got the realistic animation you've got the like literally the the fast drawn comic animation you've got the explosions animation you've got like really incredible incredible artwork 
So that's number one. Number two, you've got incredible voice actors doing a mm. great job with all of the characters. Mm. But above all, for this film, I liked the first one, but for this one, it's so powerful because you've got so much to it. So the basic storyline, um, if you haven't seen the first one, it probably makes sense to go back to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. But uh, this movie is the story of Miles Morales, who is Brooklyn's Spider-Man. He's a 15-year-old who is bitten by a radioactive spider. However, not from his world. It's from another world or another universe. Mm -hmm. um, we're not going to go into defining the multiverse, but this is a, it's a multiverse story. Uh, and it's a key element of, of this, this trilogy. Um, in the first film, he's discovered that every universe in this multiverse has a version of Spider-Man, and they're all very different. There's a, there's a girl version, Gwen Stacy, a female version of Spider-Man, whom he develops quite a friendship with. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of versions of Spider-Man. Um, after that adventure, though, that the first movie, he and Gwen assume there's no way to travel back and forth between the universes that they're in. So they assume they'll never see each other again. Across the Spider-Verse, then, is really the story of Miles and Gwen. They're both protagonists in this film, and they both are struggling with their identity um, from many perspectives, keeping their superhero identity a secret from their loved ones and the loneliness and the misunderstandings that result from that. They're both young, so they have parents that are trying to encourage them to behave in different ways. Um, they don't understand that they're absent much of the time, so they feel very misunderstood. But they also feel very, very lonely mm -hmm. and are often up against struggles that are very, very big for teenagers. Eventually, however, Gwen, so we jump to Gwen's world or universe, uh, she learns of a secret society of spider people, all made up of the different spider men, women, people, things across the multiverse who seek to save the various universes but they also have a darker mission. And this darker mission is, is so for every Spider-Man, there's certain, every version of the Spider-Man that we've seen has a particular, has this particular series of events that shape that Peter Parker or whoever it is in this case, Miles, into being a, a, a true superhero. And so the mission of this secret society is to preserve that canon in the lives of all the various spider people throughout mm -hmm. the multiverse. Um, Gwen breaks the rules, visits, visits Miles in his home, in, in his universe, and Miles becomes aware of this secret society and wants to join, not knowing that his loved ones will, will suffer if if he allows them to go ahead with this darker mission. So what happens is both Gwen and Miles are really, they're trapped with with all these expectations and they need to delve deep into who they really are and that they are in and, and their, their deepest identity, which is not being Spider-Man, to choose to do the right thing. And it really is an encouragement to the audience to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's some powerful scenes with um, there's it's all about relationships with parents, this movie. Mm -hmm. And there's some really powerful scenes between Miles and his dad and Miles and his mother, who uh, remind him on a very deep level of who he truly is and what that needs what that means for his choices and living his going forward with his life so 
despite the comic book violence, this has so many great themes. It's very thoughtful. It's a, it could be a very formative film for family viewing. So mm-hmm. it's rated PG, uh-huh. um, uh, but I think it's well worth seeing together as a family and talking about it. Interesting. Okay. I don't think I've seen you that excited about a film in a long time. <laughs> that, that's You said, wow, like three times. Um, <laughs> like, holy, 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 but wow, wow. Okay. No, no, no it's <laughs> only not... because my expectations were okay, so, low so low going okay. into it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, but I like that you said that it's really a film about family and, and, the, and, the, and uh, maybe coming of age at, at the same time. And that those are timeless and universal themes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they work for, I think it works for adults. I mean, there's a lot of Easter eggs hidden Mm -hmm. um, for people who love Spider-Man. And I know I missed a lot of them because I saw a lot of them. So if I saw them, there must be even more than I missed. Yeah. Well, I won't get any of them. So, but, 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 but you can follow the storyline and it's, it's very relatable. The, the, the characters. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, I'm sure it's available wherever people stream their movies nowadays i believe it's on netflix in the u.s yeah. um yeah. and i'm sure it can be it found be in other places as well yeah all right okay well thank you that's maybe you are encouraging me to to go into the spider verse <laughs> and and watch some some animated films um thank you so much for that suggestion you're welcome deacon pedro it's always a joy to be here talking about great movies yes great movies sister marie paul is with the congregation of the daughters of saint paul and you can read her blog at windows to the soul.wordpress.com and you can also follow her at sister m paul coming up in our second half hour thoughts on the synod and we meet damascus worship so stay tuned Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last Sunday, October 29th, the first session of the Assembly of the Synod on Synodality came to a close. This assembly lasted the whole month of October, which was a fruitful time filled with meaningful reflection and with spirit-guided discernment, bringing us closer to a more synodal church. Just before the session ended, Sultan Light's Julian Paparella had the chance to speak with Sister Jill Golding. She is a sister of the Congregatio Jesu and a professor of systematic theology who was appointed by Pope Benedict XVI to be a theological expert at the Synod on the New Evangelization in 2012. She is now a member of the Theological Commission of this current Synod and as such has been involved in all stages of the Synodal process since it began in 2021. Here is part of that conversation. So, Sister Jill Golding, thank you very much for being with us. You're no stranger to Salt and Light. We've had you on our air many times and delighted to have you with us to talk a little bit about synodality. Maybe for you, what's the most important aspect? Uh, for Sister Jill Golding, what's synodality in a nutshell? It's the work of the Holy Spirit within the church, gathering us all to a deep participation that would be in a nutshell. So for you, obviously, as a baptized, but also as a woman, as a theologian, as someone who's worked for the church in various different ways on different topics, how do you hope that the involvement of ordinary Catholics, the baptized, but also maybe of women and maybe of women theologians, how do you hope that that might evolve 
in the midst of this process, thanks to this process? Well, first of all, I would have to say that synodality also involves people out with the church, uh, other Christian denominations, our interfaith partners, indeed, even those of no belief, as Vatican II made so clear in Lumen Gentium. I think as we look, as we move forward, it's important to have a sense of the consistency of this pro-synodal process from the very beginning, when many people around the world were involved in local gatherings. And in those local gatherings, they reflected on the Word of God, and they shared conversation in the Spirit in, in order to have a sense of trying to see where they had a feel that the, the Spirit was leading them. And this came together in terms of reports that went into the diocese, into the continents, and then from there into the, the uh, sit and secretariat. And as you and I know, we were involved in that early, uh, early process. And indeed, the, the, the way in which we were involved was in this same reflection, prayer, um, conversation in the spirit, and that sense of how we could discern the way forward. That's how that document that we wrote from Frascati evolved, um, the document of the continental stage, to which uh, the, the continents, the seven continents responded, and which then formed the basis for the Instrumentum Laboris. So that consistency of approach, again, sees the, the primordial movement of the spirit at work. So it's not something that's been dreamed up um, by Pope Francis or anyone else. It's not something that has various ideological trends, but it is something that we have consistently tried to discern by the movement of the Spirit. Now, with regard to women involved, this is the first uh, synod where there have been so many um, women involved, 54, I believe, uh, when I was at the Synod in uh, 2012, there were 30-odd women. So in a sense, we're moving forward in that way. But this has actually involved uh, women and laymen also, who will be, as it were, uh, as the media has stressed so often, voting participants, so many delegates. Not the service personnel in terms of theologians and facilitators and such, but the delegates. And in that a scenario, it's really important that we continue to remember this Synod of Bishops is, as it has always been, a consultative body. It has never been a deliberative body. It offers the fruit of consultation to the Holy Father. And it's important that we keep that constantly in mind. With regard to being a woman theologian, I had the great privilege of meeting uh, Pope Francis in 2018. And um, when he delighted me by thanking me for being a woman theologian and writing in this area of mercy, which actually has come to fruition in the last month with the publication of a book on Pope Francis and mercy. And what I, why I feel that, that this is important is that for Pope Francis, he sees everything through this lens of mercy. And therefore, this I understanding of mercy is foundational for the sinful process. It's that call to merciful loving as God himself in the fullness of God's um, Trinitarian reality is mercy also. I think that's a really essential 
point. Maybe mercy almost as sort of a key to the whole pontificate of Pope Francis, but also really a fundamental element of this synodal church that we're trying to become. Could you share maybe some ways that you have seen the church being merciful and some ways maybe that you hope we can become more merciful as we journey forward on the path of City Dallin? Yes, I think so. I would suggest that um, mercy and compassion, as the Psalms so often remind us, are very integrated. And compassion um, is to suffer with, so therefore it brings us a sense of an engagement more with people who are on the margins of society, people who are suffering at this present time. Um, our, we, our hearts go out to the Middle East, to Ukraine ongoingly, and that sense of um, that the church is not just some uh, participant in the world, but actually has a connection that is so deep that we suffer with those who are rejected, those who are the victims of violence, terrorism, war, whatever, because we claim them as brothers and sisters. Because the fundamental uh, bottom line for a merciful attitude is that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. And therefore, the way in which we engage with others is from that basic presupposition. If that is the case, and Pope Francis has, has kept bringing us back to that point, if that is the case, then everyone, everyone is um, deserving of the reverence, the value, worth, and dignity of us listening to their voice. And for that to be the case, then we need to be open to that reality. So we're talking about a church that is um, the dynamic with operative within the church is one that is outgoing. Pope Francis spoke of a field hospital in his very early days. That is, as it were, um, a reality to which people come. But alongside that, there is that movement outwards to encounter, to engage. What is important for many um, in different parts of the world, particularly as regards um, women, is to hear the voice of women. And that really raises up the question of formation and education. And formation has been a, a major piece as we, 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 as we read the documents from across the world initially. It's clear that everyone is looking to some form of formation. So what does it look like, formation for lay people in different cultural settings? What does it look like, formation for priests, ongoing formation? What does it, it, formation for a bishop look like today? And it's this sense of being able to widen that reality. I'm very um, involved in different ways in formation for seminary formators. A number of people have raised at this synodal assembly according to the briefings, the importance of formation in seminaries. And of course, that is right. But prior to that, we need the seminary formators involved in order to ground whatever is done with the seminarians. So uh, we need to engage more there, I think, to address when people have specific concerns, which are very often the result of fears, I think, to address those, to hear those, 
to listen to what is the deeper reality underlying what people want to raise up here, not to dismiss them or not to become, uh, as it were, an aggressive debater about these things. But part of the listening, and one of the things I say to my students, because I now teach a course on theology and synodality, what are the voices that you don't want to hear? What are they saying? And why are they saying it? And in a sense, if we can be open in this sense, we are not in any way losing our faith. We are not endeavoring to change doctrine. We are endeavoring to indicate to a wider public too that the church is truly engaged in people's lives and believes it has a life-giving message to offer, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was a conversation that Salt and Light's Synod correspondent, Julian Paparella, had with Sister Jill Golding of the Synod's Theological Commission in Rome just before the end of that first session of the Assembly of the Synod. To learn more about the Synod and watch all our coverage, visit us at slmedia.org synod. Here now is Damascus Worship with Hail, O Queen, from their Hail, O Queen project. Hail, O favored one, mother of the sun. To you, God has come, the Lord is with you. You are full of grace, you are heaven's gate. Throughout every age we honor you Halo, halo queen, mother of God, mother of me Halo, star of the sea, vessel of peace Halo, virgin bride, beauty is yours, love is your life Faithful all my days You matter 
that was Damascus worship with Hail, O Queen. Damascus worship is a family of worshipers and a Catholic missionary worship movement. Based in Ohio, the ministry is a product of the Damascus Catholic Mission Campus, modeled after Christian contemporary praise and worship ministries like Hillsong. Damascus worship offers retreats, worship events, and conferences. And since its beginning, the worship group has released several songs and two albums, Awake My Soul and God of Promises. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by two of their worship leaders, Seth Schleter and Abby Randolph. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, you guys. It's good to meet Thanks you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Awesome to be here. So just to just kind of get it out of the way, um, Abby, what is Damascus Catholic Mission Campus? That is a, that is a very beautiful, big question. Um, we are a missionary movement that really seeks to awaken, empower, equip a generation to live the adventure of their faith. And we do that primarily through summer camps, through retreats, really um, giving the youth of our church and also the adults and young adults um, an opportunity to really encounter Jesus in the Eucharist as a real person. Um, it's a really awesome movement that started with Catholic Youth Summer Camp back in 2001 and has grown into an amazing missionary movement that does incredible youth ministry over the last uh, handful of years. It does look amazing. I mean, if I'm uh, looking at the website, I mean, there's like like about like a hundred kajillion employees, that, or I guess are they all <laughs> like volunteer or missionaries. Are you guys all like product of the summer camps? A lot of us are. A lot of us aren't. Some of us are. We uh, we have about 70 something missionaries in our program. So we run a two year missionary program. Uh -huh. and so we have about 70 missionaries in that. And then we have an additional like 50 or so people on our staff or missionary staff. So okay. pretty big uh, uh, thing going on, which is so awesome. It works kind of like net ministries, same idea, bit, yes. but people yep. commit to, to a, a period of time as missionaries. So then the worship ministry, Damascus worship is part of that. And I understand Seth, that you were one of the founding people of the worship team Tell I, us was, about that. I was yeah so, so yeah so the lord was just really doing a lot with our worship movement um we were, worship was a big part of our retreats of our summer camps um it was we were just experiencing a lot mm -hmm. of these kids encounter the lord powerfully in worship and that kind of led us into start writing some of our own music so at first we were just kind of covering other people's things and we decided like, well, let's start writing a little bit. Let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to speak through us, specifically also for Catholics during this time. Mm -hmm. And so we started to write. And this was back in 2019, really, 2019 to 2020. We kind of started writing. And then, you know, when COVID happened and everything kind of shut down, we're like, well, all of a sudden we have a lot of extra time on our hands. <laughs> and why not record an album? So that's when we recorded our first album. Okay. And um, it was just really cool then to kind of see how that morphed about that was again in 2020 and then that kind of started uh damascus worship as a, a worship movement where then we began to see traction with it see more people interested and we began to kind of invest more into it and um really kind of visioneer with the lord what this looks like yeah that's wonderful so abby why why damascus why is it called damascus do you know it's called damascus um really based off of saint paul encounter with God on the road to Damascus, that at an encounter with Damascus, um, and then St. Paul being formed and equipped was able to be sent out on a mission to the world. So we hope that that happens here. And actually we've seen it happen, not just yeah. hope, but we've seen it over the, the course of the years that people encounter Jesus and are sent on to lifelong mission, which is so, it's amazing. Every week I'm like blown away. 
by how many kids like walk on not knowing the Lord and then walk off knowing that's him. wonderful. Praise God. So, so, I mean, I mentioned some of the things, obviously retreats or conferences that you do official conferences, but is it mostly, are you going into schools or do the students come to your campus? Do you have teams across the country? How does that work? Yeah. So the main, our biggest, we call it our flagship program is our summer camp. So we have about close to 7,000 kids coming to our summer camp every year, which is just insane. And then um, throughout the year, then schools and um, parishes are sending their kids to our campus to run. We have a confirmation retreat, a leadership retreat, a faith and science retreat. We have high school retreats. We do a men's and women's retreat. We do a worship conference, a young adult conference. So most of it is them being sent here. But then also our missionary team will go out into the community and we run a lot of the youth groups throughout the diocese. So we actually get to okay. these kids. Um, who come on retreat because most of them are coming from Columbus. We have some, you know, in Michigan okay. and Fort Wayne and whatever, but they come and then we get to go help run weekly youth groups with them to help them grow in their faith. Okay. So it's a diocesan mainly in the, in your own diocese, Columbus is the diocese, Correct. the Archdiocese yeah. of Columbus. Um, let's talk a little bit about the music then. Um, Cause you have a worship team. You guys are part of that group, but there's, probably more than just the two of you how does that work how many people like does it come in and out who's writing the music i know seth you have your own stuff i'd like to talk to you about that one day maybe on another program but uh so tell us a little bit about how that dynamic works who writes the music how how much how big is the team all of that it's super fun we kind of we call ourselves a collective um okay a collective of of people so right now we have uh how many of us are there now five six 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 full-time employees within like our our damascus staff so we have like six employees but then also there's a number of like people that aren't like in the worship department but they're Mm -hmm. part of the team you know so we like our drummer is currently a student at franciscan you know okay but like he'll come and do events for us, but we also have two other missionaries that are also drummers. And so sometimes they'll come and do events for us or like things like that. So really there's, there's a large number of people. I would say probably between, you know, probably like 15 people wow. at any given moment we can kind of call on or that are part of, you know, the team. And then we're really all writing. I'm doing a lot of writing. Oh, yeah. A lot of our is really beginning to step more into that and continuing to write more. Um, so it's really fun just to kind of see, um, how that's like forming about uh, and how people are kind of growing in that gift and skill set for the church. So those six of you that are on staff, part of your job, I guess, like you'd show up to work in the morning and it's like, okay, let's write some songs. Like let's record (laughs) today. We're going to record. Like, is that part of your job? I'll I'll talk about my part and you can kind of talk about (laughs) it. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. I get to, I'm kind of, so I'm the director, so I'm ahead of the team. Sometimes it is like, Hey, let's write songs. (laughs) You know, sometimes it is we're recording today or we're having meetings to plan for a recording that's coming up in a couple months. You okay. know, other times it's a lot of um, like just kind of helping train our missionaries who are leading worship so we can continue to raise that worship leaders. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, we run a worship conference. So it's like planning worship for that conference or planning worship for some of the events that we do um, or things like that. And then Abby handles a lot of our booking process. Yeah, it's funny when I like talk to people and I'm like the booking manager, but also I might be the worship leader at the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I like do that. I love coaching our missionaries. We do songwrite as part of our day. Um, 
yeah, just kind of like helping with the day-to-day operation. Right. We're such a small team. We kind of all do everything. I was going to say, yeah, like in the Catholic church, yeah. who doesn't wear, you know, <laughs> Many seven different hats. Yeah. It um, keeps it exciting. It keeps it exciting. Yeah, for sure. So your, your new album or EP, I should call it, just dropped on Friday. Tell us about that summer, summer, these summer EP. Summer EP. Yes. Summer EP. So it's kind of unique in the sense of um, every year at CYC, which is Catholic Youth Summer Camp or Summer Camp, uh-huh. there is a, a theme that we have a site. We have like a six year cycle uh, rotation theme. So some year it's like a Marian year. Some year it's like a Eucharistic year. Some years it's like a Holy Spirit year. So it's like there's a Latin phrase and then there's a theme that our talks and our our dramas are kind of like built around. So okay. two summers ago was body and blood was the theme. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was all about the Eucharist. Last year was called death into life. And it was all about the Paschal mystery, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then this coming summer is come Holy Spirit. And it's all about Holy Spirit. So we had three songs written um, that each every year for summer camp, we kind of write like a theme song for it. Um, like a song that is used throughout the week to lead campers deeper in worship. So right. years ago, we wrote a um, it was a modern version of the uh, Plange Lingua, which is like a mm-hmm. classical church Latin Thomas Aquinas, beautiful yes. hymn. And it's actually the last two verses of it are the Tantum Ergo that yep. we see in adoration. So yep. we do the version of that. Um, that just came out um a couple weeks ago and then we did one called death into life and then we have one coming out or that just came out yesterday called friend to me and um so those are like the three songs and that's why it's called summer ep because it's like we were like what is the common thread between these songs nothing really except the fact that all of them were a theme song for our right, summer for summer yeah so we're gonna call it summer ep which is funny because initially that was just the work it like we didn't have a title for it and we just kept saying like hey like we got a weird core yeah. for the summer today we gotta do this and then at some point someone was like what if we just called it summer ep and we're like let's do it honestly let's just let's just call it that's summer funny EP. okay and we're gonna actually we're gonna end the program with that song death into life uh so which is great great song by the way um thank you you guys it's been super uh super cool to be with you today and to learn a little bit about the ministry and I mean, the more music you have, the more opportunities we have to bring you on the program to talk about what you do. And uh, I'm super excited to learn about new ministries. So I'm sure that anybody listening in the, I guess, in the state of Ohio or in the diocese, they probably already know of you. But if they don't, they should go check out Damascus. Um, Thank you so, so much. And may God bless you in your ministry. Hey, thank you so much. It was an honor to be with you. Yes, thank you so much. You can learn more about Damascus Worship at their website, damascusworship.com, and about Damascus Catholic Mission Campus at damascus.net. And to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. And here now to take us out is Damascus Worship with Death Into Life from their new summer EP. I was at the age mess trapped inside these prisons that i built up for myself i was two steps from the end fear is my best friend i was at rock bottom when i gave my cry for help then from death into life you brought me into life you tore shame upon in all the dark when running from the fire oh from death into life I was saved just in time There's no grave that you can't empty There's no corpse you can't
Listening to Damascus Worship with Death Into Life from their new summer EP, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that the best place to listen to our show is at our website, esomedia.org slash podcast, but you can also listen to the Salt and Light Hour anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can find me, Deacon Pedro, on your social media, and you can email me, Pedro, at slmedia.org. Thank you for being with us today. Let's continue to pray for peace in Ukraine and in Israel and Palestine and in other places where there is conflict and natural disasters. Let's pray for families trying to live intentionally their Catholic faith in a post-Christian world. Let's pray for continued fruits coming out of the Synod Assembly. And let's pray for all those young people who are touched by the ministry of Damascus worship. But most of all, let's continue to pray for each other and take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Glory 